right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Aner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic, coming to you from beautiful, glorious, salt of the earth, Mobile, Alabama. What a place. In the luxurious Candlewood Suites. Oh, the Candlewood Suites, yes. Still living in 1998, gloriously. DVD player in every room. Free DVDs that you can pick which one you want available to you right behind the front desk. Free board games in the lending closet. Yeah. <laughs> Along with crock pots and anything else you need to cook a casserole. Man, Candlewood Sweets. It is, it is, it is quite a place. Uh, if you have a chance to stay in one, I recommend doing it and doing it fast because they're going to be out of business before you know it. Sorry, Candlewood Sweets. Uh, Lot going on down here in Mobile, as you might imagine. Thank you to those of you that are uh, back here with us as we um, reconvene a little later than we normally do on our schedule since we wanted to kind of gather some information, be down here for a few days before we sort of did our uh, transmission from the south. And uh, so here we are. And some stuff has happened, I guess. I don't know. We... We got a lot to get to, but I mean, really, you got to start with like the Duke Tobin media mystery tour that happened. <laughs> like all of a sudden, and, and understandable, right? I mean, that there would be lots of requests for him. I mean, there's a lot of buzz around the Bengals. They're coaching the game. They're hearing the game. Joe Burrow's in their lap. Um, there's a there's a lot of eyes on what the Bengals are doing, particularly right now, this early in the process. On the other side of that, Duke Tobin hasn't spoken to anyone uh, by the way that they operate now uh, during the season, and he just and so now he's out there, and now you can't shut him up. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, was, I was just kind of going through all of them a little bit. It started off obviously, Bengals.com got their first thing out there. They had they had an interview with him on the website. Uh, Jeff Hobson, you know, they get all their stuff out there first with uh, talking to him. Then he's he's on he's on Rappaport's podcast. Then he's uh, let's see, he's he's talking with Albert Breer. He's on the NFL Network show at the actual Senior Bowl during practice. During practice, um, and then with us, this is. He's he does an hour with us, just the local media that were here. So you know, there's a small contingent of about four or five uh, Cincinnati reporters that are here, and that that includes Bengals.com, who had already talked to him. And so you've got an hour with us. Wraps that, which was actually this was kind of a f- funny moment, <laughs> and it's just like there's almost this exhaustion in the room because we have just covered everything, and it just went on. And we're all getting ready to leave. He's like, "All right, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I got a thing coming up." And and uh, the someone from Bengals PR says, "Oh, Duke, we've got to do the bloggers now." And it was because there was uh, Joe Goodberry who works as an athletic. There was, uh, I believe, somebody else. I'm, I'm not. I'm honestly, I, I wish I knew who all was there. I don't know who was part of that crew. Um, but you got to do the bloggers now. So then he apparently does like another 15, 20 minutes with the bloggers, and it was just like, man, this guy is out there. And who knows? I mean, there's a radio row here. He could have done radio yeah. interviews that we don't even know about. Uh, he, he has been everywhere. And it's not that part's been unique that he's he's done so many. But you can't get you can't really get away from it. If you're here, if you're the, the GM, acting GM, whatever you want to call him for the, a team at the Senior Bowl, you pretty much have to honor all of those requests. But last year, when when the Bengals were not coaching in this game and were in the total state of flux with the Mobile Seven. Yeah, but everybody knew it was Zach. They couldn't say it was Zach. And and Duke held a media session last year down here as well. That was the first time he had talked in a long time. Certainly the first time since the 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 um, the season ended and they they let Marvin go. So it, it, that it's not out of the ordinary for him to talk down here. But it, it is odd to see him doing interviews at every single turn and maybe doing something that we don't even know about. Everybody wants to know about Joe Burrow. It's all about Joe Burrow. They haven't got there yet. They have not got there yet. Still early in the process, uh, despite what what the reports may be telling you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we'll see. A lot to get to. Here's what I want to do, because I I, want to kind of gauge, and we haven't necessarily talked through this, you and I, yet, so I'm kind of curious your thoughts on what maybe. The mo- you thought the most interesting things you've heard from Duke Tobin this week, whether in our hour with him or in any of the other 
sessions that you've seen him do with anybody else. Um, but first, I want to bring I, – I, I cut up and put together kind of how I view what I thought was kind of some of the best – ends up being almost 12 minutes from our session with Duke. Um, mind you, he, he is – he is powering through a pack of crackers during this, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Some of, so during some of it, you'll you'll hear him like with like kind of going through like a cracker in his mouth. He didn't think he'd have to answer a question so fast, and it was funny. I, I assumed it would end when the crackers ran out. It was like it was like Teddy KGB from Rounders. I was like, when when does this end, right? And, and but no, after the six crackers were gone, we went for another half hour. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, so you will kind of hear that. But so it's it's that's kind of a little bit of a real sense of the interview. Um, but you know. There's uh, some interesting topics that are that are tackled here, um, and I, I had obviously I pulled five what I thought the most interesting things from Duke uh, in the story that's up on the Athletic now. If you want to go in there, with sort of my my analysis on what they really mean uh, in specifics. Uh, but you know, there's 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 a lot of other stuff there, and I think some of the way things were said, some of the tones. Some of the laughter around some of it um, tells a little bit of the story as well. So I think it's good to listen to it as much as it is to read transcription. Uh, so anyway, here's some of that from our part of our conversation with Duke Tobin from down here at the Senior Bowl. Philosophically, we know your guys' stance on free agency and, and draft, develop, and retain, and that's that's the way you guys. Is there a point though when you have? We always look at free agency. Well, I know, but I mean, is, but is there a point though when you have a new coaching staff that maybe is, has new assessments of their roster where you would yeah, move your philosophy gonna, a little bit. Sure, we're not going to force it, though. That's right. the thing. That, that the free agent that fits us, that is good for us, that is what we want, has to be available, has to be interested in us, uh, has to fit within the structure that, that we have in place with other players. And so if there is a good fit there, we'll go after it. But it doesn't always marry up with our needs and what free agency offers to the Bengals. You know, it doesn't always marry up. But we'll look to fill in areas where we think we can. There'll be targeted areas um, as we go. Uh, we'll have a lot of discussions with agents uh, as we go. We'll see, um, you know, ranges players are going and how that fits within our salary structure. We'll have a little more clarity about the players that we have under contract what we'll have available as we go as well. And uh, when we start making decisions about the draft and stuff, some other things might fall into place that would define our situation a little more. But it's not just, oh, you can fix that with free agency because it might not be there in free agency that you the way you want it. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not be there and you don't just, you know, bring in a guy, overpay him, and then he doesn't produce that role and then you're in the same spot just with less capital to to improve the situation. Yeah, would it be fair to say that you guys maybe have a little bit more willingness to do that this year in particular because of where you guys are at with I think the willingness is always there, but, yeah, I mean, our roster needs help, yeah. and we're going to look to help it in um, well, every way that you know is possible, whether it's signing a CFL guy, whether it's, you know, uh, signing college free agents through the draft, through unrestricted free agency, or with guys who are, are, are going to get cut at other teams, how they might fit. And then we'll also look to the trade thing, you know, and we'll see. You know, But there's a lot of avenues to improve your team, not just one way to do it, unrestricted free agency or the draft. We look at all those avenues and we try to add pieces that are smart for How How important is timing on whatever maybe could happen with Andy? I mean... You know, like you said, I mean, if, if you took you took a quarterback at number one, like you know, do you want to have that settled? Yeah, we're not going to act with haste on Andy. Andy's meant so much to us yeah. over the years. We still value him. Uh, he's a proven NFL quarterback. I think other teams will value him. When we uh, start to make those decisions, we'll start to have those conversations of what the timing might look like if we do X. Then, how? What should we do, and why? And uh, like I said before, you know, uh, we want to be fair to Andy. Uh, he's been great for us, um, but um, no decision's been made. You know, he's under contract for next year, and and he's a valuable NFL football player, and he's incredibly valuable to us for what he's done over the years. And so, um, that that is, um, it'll be a process as we go through that, and you know, we'll see what opportunities come up. 
uh, we'll see where our valuations lie and, uh, and where kind of uh, the organization uh, feels in the next few months is the best way to go forward at that position, other positions as well. And once we get those things figured out, um, you know, we'll, we'll look to uh, see what the best options are, you know, for Andy and other players. Do you feel so like a quarterback in, the, in that room? What's that? Do you, feel, do you feel you need a veteran quarterback in, in the room at some point next season? Or Those will that? be things that we talk about. You know, if we, if we make a decision to go with a young quarterback, we'll, we'll have those conversations. Um, it hasn't been decided. We haven't gotten to point A yet, and you're asking about point B, but point A's got to happen first before we start talking about how other people might fit. Uh, it would depend on the player. It would depend on... You know, whether he's a guy that can start immediately or not, whether, you know, so there's a lot of moving pieces to that, and we'll figure it out as we go. The last time the club was in this position, we drafted a guy, and he sat for a year. Is it different now, 17 years later? Is, it, is, the, is, the, is the financial structure and the game different that uh, that guy cannot sit? I wouldn't say he cannot sit. I mean... He could the guy go into the Super Bowl sat, and it worked out pretty good for him. So, yeah, we don't deal in definites. Like you're, you're asking in definites, can he not do that? Sure, he can. Yeah. Is it best for the team? That's what we'll have to figure out. You know, we're yeah. trying to win. Right. You know, week one next year, we're trying to win. Right. Bar none. That's the most important thing we're trying to do. And what is the best way to do that? What is the best way to accomplish the goal of winning? Game one, game two, game three, and we'll we'll look at that and who gives us the best opportunity to do that. When you when you talk about uh, being fair to Andy, is it would it be unfair to Andy to keep him here if you took quarterback at number one to have those two guys in the roster? With that depends on the situation. Yeah, it depends on the situation. If that were the situation, I mean, is that I mean, is that specific situation unfair to Andy Dalton? Those two guys in the same building together. Um, which two guys? Joe Burrow. <laughs> Joe Burrow and Andy Dalton. I know you guys want to deal in specifics, but we're not there yet. Right. We're not there yet. And that yep. would be, the, you know, if, if that's the direction that we go, we'll go that direction and we'll talk and we'll try to determine what's the best for the Cincinnati Bengals yep. first and foremost. Is and then sorry. Try, to, try to see what, what the options are beyond that scenario. For the Cincinnati Bengals and for Andy, we'll try to we'll try to work through that. But you talk about the, the the mechanics of trading. I mean, I, there was a, a lot was written last trade deadline. We had a lot of veterans with rolling eight, rolling seven, unload these guys, unload the seven. There were sure a lot of trades after all that talk, weren't there? No, we'll do it none. Do it none, and I want to know what that. Everybody gets excited at that time. It's the time. It's the thing to write about at that time. I understand it. Yeah. Um, it's just hasn't been a huge component of NFL football. Are there some trades? Yeah. Do we look at opportunities? Yeah. But the reality of it is most of the stuff that gets talked about publicly doesn't happen. And we're not trying to get better by losing our best players. That, In our opinion, that is not the path forward. You lose your best players, how do you get better by doing that? And, and we have guys who clearly some teams we're interested in. Well, guess what? We're interested in having them too. Yeah. They're good players. We weren't good enough as a football team. Now we're going to lose players. How, how does that improve us? And we don't think any of those guys are done. We think all those guys have life in, the, in their NFL career and um, are going to be a part of our turnaround as we go. You know, what, what do you say that there's a school of thought that you know maybe given especially where the roster is at as you just said uh, they might have been better off to acquire draft capital going into this year instead of having those veterans on the roster I mean what's the weight of having more picks in this draft compared to having you can get a player um, with that draft pick the draft pick is not just a draft pick it's an actual player and that player is an unproven NFL player and you're giving up a proven NFL player for an unproven NFL player and maybe that guy will develop, and maybe he'll develop quickly, maybe he'll develop slowly. You know what you have here. And if this guy is a high-level football player, I'm taking him for our football team because I know what he is. I can't predict injuries, and that nobody can. And uh, it's uh, unfortunate that uh, maybe our very best player was hurt all year. 
and uh, our first round pick got hurt, didn't play all year. I, I can't predict that stuff, but I know what AJ Green is, and that's who you're talking about. I know what Geno Atkins is. The pick that you're talking about is somewhat, <laughs> somewhat. Now you might get a good player there, and we're going to try to get good players at every pick. But you can look at everybody's draft, and there are that guy didn't work out, that guy didn't work out, that guy didn't work out. So I understand the school of thought. It's it's not a uh, if you have a proven guy, it's better to stay with the proven guy if he can continue to produce. And we think those guys can continue to produce. Do you feel like AJ still has a lot left sure. in the tank right yes, now? Yes, I do. So we just wrapped up with AJ. I mean, where do you feel like y'all are at with this contract situation? Do you want to give him a long term? Sure. Well, we'll we're going to talk to him. All options are on the table. You know, I don't have anything to announce, but he's a, he's a guy that we plan on having next year, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be able to get something done. Do you have any reservations with him playing on a tag on the tag for a year without a long term deal, considering um, all the trouble there was with that last year with him? All the trouble there, just with whether he was going to be able to play or not, and him talking about how he doesn't want to participate in the off-season program if he doesn't have a long-term deal, you and know, maybe not I training. Mean, he camp. hasn't talked to me about any of that stuff, so I, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to answer those questions. I, he was hurt last year, yeah, and um, and our season went bad, and that's what happened last yeah. year. Um, AJ Green has been phenomenal for us in the way that he's handled himself from the day he walked into the door to the day he walked out last season you know he's been fantastic and uh, our dealings with him have been excellent he's he's handled himself in a truly professional wonderful way he's been great for our football team he's one of those guys it'd be weird to see him in another uniform he's one of those guys yeah i mean that and that's not the plan that's not the how about how about how about uh, Joe Mixon? Uh, do you see a guy that might he's a, he's a guy on the radar possibly? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of guys on the radar. I think everybody in their own mind is on the radar. You know, everybody <laughs> that's eligible for a new deal is on the radar, and uh, that's just uh, the nature of pro football. Is that uh, is that uh, people that produce they want uh, they want the uh, reward for it, and our job is to try to fit it all together and. Uh, you know, but uh, it's a zero-sum game at the end. At the end, it's a zero-sum game. It's more to you. It's less to you. It's all to Marissa, and then you guys get nothing. You know, it's so you've got to balance that. And I think the players all look kind of internally at you know the whole league, and you can't have a football team with a group of highest-paid players at their position. And so our job is to try to fit it together the best we can. And you know, Joe's a big piece of what we what we're doing, and we'll see where it, see where it goes. All right, so there was that conversation uh, with Duke Tobin. Um, always great to uh, you know. I, we are appreciative of the fact that he does take that time uh, to to spend that much time with us. I mean, yeah. it was yeah, that was that was a lot. You don't see you just don't see that across the league um, where you get that kind of pretty much almost. No time clock on you uh, with stuff like that. It was um, interesting too, because you know, toward the end of that, like you know, early in the session, it was rapid fire questions. I mean, people were ready, and it was as soon as he answered. And sometimes people even had to apologize for cutting him off because they wanted to get their next question in. Toward the end of that, there were there were some gaps in there, and it, Duke easily could have said, "All right, you know, let's wrap it up." That and he didn't. He 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 waited, and and it would seem like it was over, and then all of a sudden. A question would come out, and it would it would lead down a whole other path of, of similar questions. And it, I, I was impressed that he he sat there that long because we didn't know he had somewhere. This ended, I think it was 11 a.m. when it ended, and he said he had somewhere to be at 11:15. And it was I don't know 11:05 or so when the bloggers came in, and it's like, well, what is he only going to give them five minutes? And he I, I waited outside the room because I was trying to get to Bengals PR after they wrapped up, and he went a good. 20 minutes with those guys. So. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, good for him. That said, you know, there's still a lot of angst and frustration with a lot of things that he said, um, and so let's let's get in let's get into that. What what stood out to you the most, Jay, of everything that you heard from Duke? Is there anything that sort of you know you thought maybe meant the most or, or, or perked your ears up the most? 
there was nothing really surprising, but a little bit, it it felt, I mean, you know the way this team operates, and they're they're never heavily involved in free agency, and it feels like maybe this is a year they need to, to be a little more aggressive, to take some chances, and he essentially shot that down and said they're going to, he, he disagreed with the fact that they haven't been interested in free agency in the past. He, he says there's a certain fit, salary structure, you know, experience-wise that, that they look for. And if it's not there, they're not going to force the issue. And they're going to go in that same direction again this year. And I think that's where a lot of fans are going to be upset and irate because they they – they see how much money they have available. They're going to have more money available if they do end up trading Andy Dalton and other pieces or cutting other pieces. And it, it just it, it felt like he was shooting down the notion that they were going to be more active in free agency this year, which on one hand was a surprise and on one hand was, was not a surprise given the way they operate. Uh, the other thing, and you touched on in your story, was the – and he, he mentioned it in his – interview with Bengals.com too is the their desire to do right by Andy yeah and it's it's I mean you can fault the organization all you want but the, the loyalty aspect has always been there with them and I found it a little surprising because it is something that you you need to get the best deal possible for a guy I mean what if what if the best offer you're getting is from a team that's looking as Andy as a backup is, is that doing right by him your question was great about are you doing right by Andy if if you draft Joe Burrow and, and keep Andy and make him a backup to Joe Burrow. Um, Duke didn't really want to get into that one, um, but I, I did. I found that interesting that that is a part of their thought process to to be fair to Andy and doing right by Andy would probably end up being sending him to the highest bidder because that person willing to bid would be trying to bid for someone that's going to start. I mean, if you're willing to give up whatever is the highest bid that they've received, you probably have the highest view of him. And and that's where you're, you know, you're going to send him to. Um, I would agree. The whole, the whole idea of doing right by Andy and being fair to Andy, I thought was a statement of what we have known as inevitability coming here. And that's it. What my question was, you're not going to keep those two guys. You can't, you, those two things cannot live together. Joe Burrow and doing fair, doing right by Andy Dalton do not live together in the same house. They just can't. It's impossible. And so that, you know, not that it's a shock, but that's, it's just sort of was the final validation of everything that you would assume is going to happen next. And that's Dalton being traded to somewhere and somehow. but that's again that I, that's not necessarily breaking but yeah definitely you know an interesting aspect the free agency thing to me is the most fascinating aspect of this team right now and of what duke was talking about and that is i mean you're just you're just n- n- never going to have a situation more ripe for no one's talking about $100 million in players for pinpointing two positions, two players, and being aggressive towards pursuing them. And I understand that you feel like, oh, the line, you don't just bring in a guy, overpay him, and then he doesn't produce in that role, and then you have the same spot with just less capital to improve the situation. I pointed out that that should be up in the uh, weight room wall <laughs> right next to Iron Sharpens Iron. That's like that's like that's like a tenet of the Bengals uh, is the belief that basically every free agent's going to just blow up and be expensive and just it's a it's a bad investment. I mean that's and it's part of the problem is that's they don't see the other side of things. I, I, I point I think the perfect example of this is the Green Bay Packers, and that was. Ted Thompson. I, we, we used to play this game every year. Who has the most homegrown players this year? <laughs> is it Green Bay or is it Cincinnati this year? One or the other. Every single year because they were the NFC version of the Bengals, but with Aaron Rodgers, but arguably underachieving. That Super Bowl year, pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Mike McCarthy out of there because of underachievement, right? And they were all about draft, develop, and retain homegrown. Thompson moves away. They are 
more aggressive in free agency under the new under the new management group, and the, they bring in the Smith brothers. You know, and you, you all of a sudden their pass rush is great, and they've got this defense. Now in the NFC Championship game, partially because of that, and it wasn't because Rodgers had some incredible year. He had a fairly pedestrian year by his standards, maybe even below average by his standards. And you take those, it's it goes back to it wasn't massive swings, it's selective swings, selective aggression, and understanding that yeah, there is a chance that you might, but you got to trust your own evaluation. You got to trust your knowledge of who a guy will be when you get him in the building because there's because you know a little bit of enough about him that you can trust it. You know, clearly though, they've screwed that up in the past, Glenn comma Cordy, of knowing who you really have in a guy. Mm-hmm. When we hear from, from them that they're, you know, they basically kind of had heard some of the same stuff happen to him in Buffalo, but didn't know it and still traded for him. So, you know, whether you're scared of that or whatever, like, there's never a more, a better time to follow that, the lead of what Green Bay showed last year and have that selective aggression, but yet what you hear from Duke, I don't think it said that they they wouldn't necessarily have that, but it's a matter of who they do pinpoint as that right piece from a salary structure wise, mm-hmm. which could be third, second wave. It the, the frustrating thing is, it's the same exact thing when you take a draft pick. You, you, you're got, you're paying the guy good amount of money if he's a high round draft pick. You don't know if he's going to pay it out. Nowhere near enough you're, as a free agent, as much least, as a free agent, right? But but still, a free agent has more of a track record than a yeah. than a a kid coming out of college. And and the other thing is they need linebackers so bad that, I mean, why not take a swing and a, a big swing at one of those? And, yeah, maybe maybe you have to overpay to get one of those guys in here, but they're, whoever you get, even if they have a down year or a less year than what they had their walk year, they're still going to be better than anybody you have on the roster right now. It just, it feels like, and especially because it's not a deep linebacker class in the draft. And there, I wrote before about how I think they need to use that second round pick on a linebacker. Well, if three linebackers go in the first round, then you're, it's a reach if you, if you grab a linebacker at 33. So why not take yourself out of that, that force need and, and get a guy or even two in free agency? I mean, we don't know if Nick Vigil's going to be back. They, they may bring him back. He played much better after Preston Brown left, but maybe Nick Vigil doesn't want to come back. Maybe he wants to test the market and go somewhere where he can win. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe these guys don't see this team turning around, and not, that's not necessarily a, a knock on what they the, the, co- the belief in the coaching staff, but they they see what this ownership ownership group is, and it, it never changes and. Maybe they, some of them feel like it's time to move on. Then again, maybe Nick Vizzle doesn't get any offers and he does come back. But I just feel like that's, that's the position they need to go after in free agency is, is get a guy, get a good linebacker, a guy, I mean, not necessarily like Juan Alexander that they missed out on last year, but look at the difference he made for San Francisco this year. Um, it, I just, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of linebackers out there that you could get, not necessarily on day one. That would improve that this room for the for the Bengals. How about this? And this is a total. Like, I don't know. This is just a one of those games of who says no. Tom Brady goes and plays in Vegas or whatever he does, right? We've we I, we've heard enough. I, I think there's some legs to Dalton to the Patriots. It mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense for both sides on all levels. Andy Dalton for Dante Hightower. Dante Hightower older in the last year of his contract. That is like, he may get cut. I mean, he, he, that is like the most prototypical sell him off a year before he hits free agency, yeah. let him go anyway, New England thing. An older guy who's a captain for the Patriots, who could come in here and teach guys how to play the right way for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, and the problem with free agency is no one wants to come here, Jay. Yeah, so... So you, you you can't you're trying to sell people on coming to the Bengals, like unless they know Joe Burrow personally or feel indebted as a former LSU grad or something. Like it's a hard sell. Yeah, trading might be your better route, and you have, as we know and we've discussed on here, tradable pieces. Andy Dalton for Dante Hightower, or maybe some other combination of pieces. 
you know, the Dalton contract goes, you take on a pretty big, a pretty big Dante Hightower contract. So it's kind of a wash there. I mean, some combination of that, maybe, maybe both sides come away happy from something like that. You know, finding those spots, being more creative that way maybe is the, is, is what we should have a better expectation of because they're not going to want to overvalue and, and all that, all the, the, the line that I read from you that needs to be up on the wall. I mean, yeah. that's perhaps that is more of an area. And if you're looking for the most valuable piece to trade, maybe they're not trading for a pick. Maybe they're trading for a captain from the New England Patriots who plays linebacker, 4-3 outside linebacker. Not the same guy he was three, four years ago, but better than anything else they got. Exactly. And... There can be value in it. And who knows? Maybe they cut them and you, you, they try to go after or something like that. But I, you know, I, I get a, you get the sense they want guys, that word captain, mm-hmm. a guy who's been through it, a leader for, and I've uh, been with organizations that have won and done it the right way would mean a lot. Almost as much as quality linebacker to the coaching staff right now. It's interesting you say that. I think that's a great point. And as soon as we get off this podcast, I'm going to go look up the Jacksonville Jaguars roster because maybe they're in the market for it. With Jay Gruden going to be offensive coordinator down there, Jay's the one that stood on the table to to draft Andy. Um, I don't know what their situation is at linebacker, but maybe they have a piece like that that instead of trading Andy for a pick, you trade him for a linebacker and both teams come out ahead. I mean, Jacksonville's – it's not just the Gruden connection. They they have an issue at quarterback. I yes. don't know that Gardner Minshew is the answer there. And there's always been questions about Nick Foles. It's a great. This this is such a great point. Uh, the the Jay Gruden Andy. I always thought there was a chance they would reunite in mm-hmm. Washington at some point. Jay loves Andy. Yeah. I mean, there's a Jay Jay went after Alex Smith. Because he's very Andy Dalton like, okay, and 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 that also gives them a bridge year to maybe take a quarterback that they can develop, and that that's really the allure of Andy Dalton to any team that's mm-hmm. interested in him is take a guy in the second or third round that could maybe turn into something or kick the can down the road for another year into the next year's class and get Andy Dalton to come in and, and can win you some games. And with Jay, somebody who knows, or with the Patriots, somebody who values his skill set, there are people out there. Um, and those two teams like that maybe bidding against each other is the best thing that could possibly happen. But, yeah, let's not think about that trade always through the eyes of what round pick are you getting. But maybe you do start picking at those rosters a little bit more and see if maybe it's a player-for-player trade. Makes more sense for a team that needs to add veterans and will have trouble convincing a free agent to come to Cincinnati. But is trading Andy Dalton to Jacksonville doing right by Andy Dalton? It's not the greatest city in the world, but it's a good situation. Why you got to take a Jacksonville (laughs) shot when we're in Mobile, Alabama? Now, I, I mean, look, reuniting with Jay Gruden. Is a good thing, no yes. matter whether you're in Jacksonville or not. And uh, you know, no one wants to be in Jacksonville. No, <laughs> no. If look, unless you're in the jorts business, like unless I literally have inventory, I have not been able to unload since eight, 1984, which you probably have in your basement in Hamilton. I, I would might, assume, Jay. Then, then, then it just doesn't make sense to go to Jacksonville. But you know, but if you're Andy Dalton. And you care about what happens inside of that stadium. Playing in Jay Gruden's offense for a team that is in need of a quarterback is an absolute snug fit. And certainly you could see that making sense uh, for for the Bengals. Yeah. Um, let's go into some of the other. I, I want to get into some of the senior bowl stuff since we are down here and we have been in that mix. You went behind the scenes all access on Wednesday. Um, you know, a piece that at 21 you're listening to this may already be up, maybe not, um, on the athletic about exactly what's happening every single day down here. And, and, you know, I also want to talk more about Joe Burrow because he has been the name that is on everybody's lips down here, obviously, um, including everybody that has been within earshot and a microphone of Duke Tobin. And, but I, I, we'll get to all of that. I, I do want to talk about advantages. Of the Senior Bowl, 
and what that really is. When you when you spent Wednesday in team meetings and on the field in those in those drills and everything everywhere else you went, did anything you know stand out to you as far as stuff there advantages that maybe we hadn't even really been talking about yet? Well, yeah, it's uh like I I've, I've not sat in an actual meeting during the season, but I from talking to the coaches, they're a lot different. They are they are talking at the players and telling them, "Here it's a give and take." Zach Taylor said he specifically directed the guys to ask the players a lot of questions because you know, they install something one day, they come back the next day and they want to know who was up playing Xbox or doing whatever on his phone and who was studying what they taught him. So they're asking him questions the next morning in the, in the practices to see who, who the committed guys are, who the smart guys are, who, who learns this stuff. You, you learn more about them, you know, not just size and speed and the stuff that you see on the field, but you really get to know the guys who, which ones it means something to and which ones are most serious about this. Um, that's a big part of it. And the correction piece of it too. I, I was watching, uh, yesterday at practice and Jamal Singleton, the running back, running backs coach was working with the punt returners yesterday. And, uh, a guy was, I can't remember which player it was, but he caught a punt like way out in front of him down low and he made the catch. It was a nice catch, but Jamal got all over him and said, that's not how you do it. And then his next two, he did it perfect. And that, that's what you want to see from these guys, the guys that take coaching the right way. And, and they're, I mean, it's impressive what these coaches are doing because they put in all these long hours in during the season and it's for themselves. It's, it's their job. They need to win games. They need to keep their jobs. They need to feed their families down here. They're, they are, the coaches are getting a benefit from this, but they're doing most of this for the, these players. It's, it's not just two hours of practice on each day. What they're doing, Rob Livingston, the, the, the defensive backs coach talked about this. He went after each day of practice and he cuts up all the guy's stuff and he says guys come to him and not all of them, but this is another advantage where they find out. He lets it be known. Hey, if you want to come watch cutups of your, your one on ones or what you did good or what you bad, I'm available any, any time at night, come into the room and we'll, we'll go over your plays. So you get, you see who has the initiative to do that. And, and, and that's a big advantage. There, there's just so much to it that they, when they have a break after the team meetings in the morning, they have about a two, two and a half hour break before they go to practice. And I asked the coaches, what, what do you doing, do during that time? Cause I wasn't following them around cause they were free to do whatever. And almost to a man, all of them sat down and watched tape of the North practices. They're, the Bengals are coaching the South team. Well, they watch tape of the North practices because on Friday, they're going to get to have meetings with the North players and they want to know what the North players are about. And they want to be able to, to go over things with them, what they saw from their practice. And this is all, you know, this is basically these coaches taking their, their own initiative to, to get to know these guys better. And it's, it's not just going to have pay dividends on Friday when they sit down with them, but it's going to pay dividends in the draft. And then after the draft, when they start signing college free agents, uh, it, it's just, I was surprised. I was shocked really at how much work these coaches are doing out down here. A lot of times you think senior bowl, they come down for a couple of days. It's almost like a vacation. Uh, not the case at all this year. These guys are really grinding. Yeah. I, you mentioned the undrafted guys. Yeah. And I think that's an important aspect of this that we probably have you, you undersell. And that is so much of finding the right undrafted guys are those relationships you build where the best undrafted guys want to come to you mm -hmm. because they know you and feel that connection with you. you. And you can have that without having to waste any of your 30 visits, which the Bengals like to use a, a, a portion of their visits on guys they think will be the top on some of the top undrafted guys to, to establish that relationship so they know they can get them in the building. We've seen that happen year after year. Now you can add a whole other crop to that list of guys that you developed a relationship. The, the, the players deciding between the Bengals and, you know, X, you know, whoever, Cleveland. And they don't know anybody from Cleveland. But you know what? I really like the 
guy I know would be my coach in Cincinnati, and you and you go there because of that. That's a big advantage. Getting some of the best players that are undrafted that were in the Senior Bowl that you, and you know enough about them to want them. Um, that's a bit that that's a really big deal, almost as much as the actual drafted players. Yeah, and it's it, it college free agency is almost the opposite of regular free agency, where you talked about it earlier. You're not going to get anybody to come here, or you're going to have to overpay them. It's 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 not an attractive destination for a proven free agent. For a college free agent, it, the the number one thing those guys are looking for is opportunity. Opportunity. And if you're going to a team that was two and fourteen last year, you've got to figure there's opportunity there. And just just look at the track record last year. Damian Willis, day one starter, undrafted free agent. Stanley, Stanley Morgan ended up being a really good special teams player. Um, I, I think there was a couple other guys that that ended up on the fifty three at some point. Um, so yeah, that's even if there's opportunity at multiple places, then that that comes in as a tiebreaker. The the relationships that they built with these position coaches and these coordinators this week during Senior Bowl week. Last year, a lot lot being made here this week about San Francisco was one of the teams coaching here last year, and obviously we know where they're at next week, um, and how much that did help them. Also, the Raiders were here last year, mm-hmm. and they took a big jump, obviously. Hard not to. Both teams were bad. It's part of it. You look at the picks that they made of Senior Bowl guys. First of all, the Raiders took four Senior Bowl guys, and they had three more undrafted guys from the Senior Bowl. That's, that's a lot. It's a lot. San Francisco took two. And you look, you know, Jonathan Abram it was the Raiders' first rounder. He he was here. He didn't play, but he was here and involved in everything. And you know he's a first round pick. Those guys, it's not it, it's it's the later picks where you really are getting you're really getting the steals because you know these guys better. And that's what we saw. Foster Moreau, fourth round pick, one of the, one of the better rookies in the league, and was a real real star at tight end for Oakland. Hunter Renfro, fifth round pick. I mean, he, he had a great year for Oakland. It was a huge part of their success that they had there. Then you go over to San Francisco, Debo Samuel in the second. He, he could be the MVP of the Super Bowl. Yeah. The way, the way he has some games for them when, when, when the run isn't working as much. Dre Greenlaw, st- starter, fifth round pick, huge piece for them in the linebacker. I mean, you get to, you saw, it was hit after hit after hit of all these guys that we just mentioned that were, that were taken late. I mean, now, granted, the Bengals would need to replicate that success, um, and, but you know, perhaps, particularly last year, we saw those advantages pay off that we hear so much about for these Senior Bowl coaches. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, and it, the other thing that the residual, the ripple effect is, yeah, you get to know all these guys, but that just gives you now that this is out of the way, you've got a huge start on. Studying everybody else, where you know they leave the senior ball and they go back and they start getting ready for free agency in the combine, and you can, how many guys are here? What fifty three on their roster, fifty three on the other roster. You can push those aside, and now you 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 start with one oh seven down, and it, it just gives you another head start on studying other guys and getting ready for them in the draft. There's just there's so many advantages to this, and yeah, the the. I don't know if you can put coaching the Senior Bowl, you know, where that ranks on the list of 49ers improvement and Raiders improvement, but it certainly didn't hurt. It, Hitting on those draft picks was part of it. Yeah, big. Yeah, big. And this, you know, the, the Bengals staff is incredibly concerned, top of their list, of finding guys that they know will be grinders, that will that will be leaders, that will be the Guys that practice so hard day in and day out. It's, it's a huge part of where they feel like they need to stack classes, stack draft classes. It's, it's a big part of what they feel like, like maybe is not missing, but really where their, their evolution comes as establishing the culture. I mean, you can't, you just don't get opportunities like this to find that particular trait. Like it's almost impossible to find that trait. Um, you know, you have to be trusting some of the people that you know that are coaches at other schools or whatever, but to be able to see it and experience it firsthand for that particular trait that they care so much about, definitely, um, a big deal. Let's play run passer boot off of this. All right. Okay. So first of two, we're going to have two run passer boots today. Double up. Uh, let's start. 
what will be the higher number? What will be the higher number in the Bengals draft class this year? Senior Bowl players that they draft with a pick. Senior Bowl players that they sign as an undrafted free agent. Or LSU Tigers. <laughs> how many How many of Joe Burrow's yeah. receivers and weapons yeah. and linemen will they try to bring in? Some of them could check multiple boxes, by the way. You right. have some LSU guys here. Uh, so... Run, pass, or boot the higher number on that. Well, it's on the LSU players. It's already one to nothing. We already one. We know one. <laughs> but I, I think it's going to be the undrafted free agent guys. I mean, right now, maybe they acquire more draft picks, but right now they only have seven. Uh, and the idea that they would have a bunch of them from down here, I'm sure they'll have some from down here, but I, I can't imagine it's going to be a big number. And I mean, LSU had three players drafted last year. They'll have a lot more this year because coming off a national championship and just more guys that are quality guys that are going to be drafted. But it's still to have, what, even more than two from one school would seem odd. That for anybody, any draft, anywhere, to draft more than two guys from the same school in the same year doesn't happen a lot. So I, I, I'll run with undrafted free agent guys. Um, man. I'll pass on on drafted and and I'll boot LSU even though LSU's in the lead already. Yeah, I will too. I but I'm with you. I think the drafted from the Senior Bowl and LSU players could be a two two tie. Yeah, true. I think that well, depending on how many picks. That's the thing is how many picks do they add? Undrafted, I think to me is the definite run just because of the sheer quantity mm-hmm. that 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 you you bring in. I mean, how many undrafted guys that you sign? You I, you got to feel like a bunch of them will come from relationships that they form down here. So I'll say the same thing, but I, I wonder. How many Senior Bowl guys will they draft? I think it probably ends up in that two or three range. Yeah. Uh, and I think I could see a second LSU, whether it be a receiver or you know, you, you, there's there's or an offensive lineman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you could you could possibly see uh, come from there. Or okay. one of those DBs. Yeah. But well, wait, the DBs were underclassmen. Well, right? Stingley, not, well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, Stingley right. will be in a couple of years. That guy needs to just go sit down. <laughs> um, just t- take a couple of years off, kick back. <laughs> Because you are incredible. Um, let's let's go into um, something. The Joe Burrow chatters. We talk about LSU. Um, you know, he's he's the person everybody's talking about down here. People can't stop saying enough about his season and who he, and who he is. And I, the one thing that we have heard, I have not heard. On the record, off the record, anywhere this week, anybody with any association with the Bengals that isn't saying that the same things that everybody in the city of Cincinnati is saying, and that is, Joe Burrow is he's he's the deal. He's 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 the real deal. I mean, it, it, how could you say otherwise? Yeah, I mean, well, there's no hesitation. I think I think fans worry, and this is just to kind of maybe yeah. ease ease some fears. Fans worry about uh, maybe they'll 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 trade out and take Justin Herbert or whatever. And you know, I mean, that scenario is always going to be in play. They are going to listen. You're of course you are. Um, but I do. You know, there there is a, almost a sense of awe in what he is and can be. And in that in that and that also is just from everybody else that you talk to around town, whether it be media or whoever. I mean, it's just like. Uh, there's there's very much a sense of awe in what in what he can be and why that is such a valuable asset that 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 the Bengals do have at number one that they lucked into. Yes, because I mean, is he the greatest quarterback prospect to come along in ten years? No, I mean he's. I mean, you could argue people some some would say since Andrew Luck. Yeah, I mean, as far as a, it, certainly as far as a, a pretty slam dunk to go number one. Right, and and, and I you hear people saying all the time about. You need you need more than a quarterback. Trade back, get the extra picks, but you you don't get this opportunity very often. That, that's the most important position, and you get a guy who, yeah, he may not be the greatest in come along in, in forever, but he's damn good. He's really good at pretty much everything this offense does. Let's knock on him his arm strength. 
Well, how many times are they chucking deep balls? I mean, well, and his deep ball accuracy is just, incredible. Yes. So I don't, I don't need to hear. I don't need to hear about arms. I, I see enough throws to see a dude that can make the throws. Right. All right. And it, it just it, it all lines up. You, you get you get him in here. Um, you get him with a bunch of quarterback coaches in, in, in Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor and Alex Van Pelt. And I know a lot of people are skeptical and wondering how much of his success is related to Joe Brady. I mean, I I'm sure that has something to do with it. They they, they ripped up their offense and, and made it more pro like. But I mean, the guy—he wasn't terrible last year. He wasn't great no. by any means. But he—it's what you expect. You, you expect him Guys to take a step and got better as a senior and getting all those games, all those reps, and and it's the same thing. He comes in to a rookie situation where he's going to get to play right away. And you, you, just you know what the thing about? I'm sorry to cut you no, off. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The thing about the scheme thing—I just want to make your touch on real quick—is you can't hold the scheme against him coming out. No, you can't hold that against him, but not hold it, but not give him credit for the fact that that was maybe part of what was holding him back the previous year. Right. Like you can't say, oh, he was bad last year, but he was only good this year because of the scheme. Well, perhaps part of what was holding him back was there were people, people in the building holding him back with a yes. bad scheme, exactly. like which where everyone is admitting was you know the greatest thing ever, and, and he changed it into a pro scheme, like. Is there a thought that the, the that that wouldn't translate to what the Bengals are running, or that the Bengals wouldn't also add whatever elements that he was doing at LSU into their offense? I mean, come on, people. That's the way the league's going. Yeah, you, you don't. We saw it this year with Lamar Jackson. You don't pigeonhole a guy, or not pigeonhole is not the right word, but you don't take a guy and get him out of his element and, and put and say this is what we do, this is what you're going to do. You take a guy and you work around what he does best. Yeah, and I think a young coach like. Zach and the rest of the young guys on this staff uh, know that, and they're not going to be stuck in their ways, and they're gonna they're gonna find ways to put Joe in, in the best position to be successful. And you, I mean, you get you're getting basically three first round picks this year. If AJ Green's back, you got Jonah Williams back, you got Joe Burrow, and then you're picking at 33, which is right there next to the first round. This thing could turn around quickly. Yeah, I, and I mean, you're you're talking about. Yeah, no, there's no doubt something could, it could turn it could turn around quickly when you get into all of those guys uh, show, showing back up. But I just you know there is there's um there's no shortage of of awe about him right now. That's for sure. No. Um, well, just look at the social media post about yes. Oh, he's at VW3s. He was at our favorite place. Yeah. Wednesday night, Athens, Ohio. Court Street. Doing the shuffle. Yeah. I mean, there's pictures of him at just about every bar, it seems like, on social media. <laughs> going around with He had to have bodyguards it. because so many people were approaching him, and it's not like they were going to do him harm. But he had bodyguards? He, yeah, he had to keep keep kids at length so he could just enjoy himself. Otherwise, he's going to be signing autographs and posing for selfies the entire night. It's tough when you're the prince of Southeast Ohio, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 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 not every day when the prodigal son returns back to Athens, you know? That doesn't happen. I don't need bodyguards when I go back. No, I don't okay? either. So, I mean, it, it must be him. It's not just when, when you know, when, when we go back. Real royalty, right? Uh, I believe that we're royalty in some of those bars. I need bodyguards. We I, need, the time. I need to guard my own body. Yeah. Because of the damage I do when you I You need go someone back. who just, like, slaps a drink out of your hand exactly. at 1 a.m. Yeah, that, you're right. That's exactly what we'll need. We'll test that theory. We'll test that theory. Um, the other thing um, that I want to get into, because we actually had another, we appreciate it. We want to ask you if you have these. Definitely send them to us. If you have run past your boots suggestions, we always we're, we're, are happy to entertain them here. And our guy Stan, who is a Bengals growler bet winner, um, had one for us. And so I wanted to make sure uh, that we gave Stan the run that he deserves. And we can dive a little bit into the A.J. Green. A.J. Green showed up, uh, he was at like a, like a Campbell's Soup charity Bengals give Bengals and AJ Green give to the I I should really give them the pub that why he was there. Yeah. Free store food bank I think was involved. Money was given. It, it was a thing. Uh AJ was there and it was sort of the latest time that he said he doesn't like the franchise tag, but of course he'd play on it because eighteen million dollars, eighteen million dollars, and I just want to play football. So same thing he's been saying forever now. Yeah. Um 
But it, it brought, you know, again, it brings conversation about what's going to happen with him next. Stan had a run pass or boot for us, and it was, what would you do? What would you be most inclined to do with A.J. Green? Run pass or boot? Would you make him play on the tag? Would you sign him to a long-term deal? Or would you put the tag on him and trade him? What would you what would you prefer to do if you were running the Bengals today and everyone wanted an interview with you? Um, it's hard it's hard to answer because you don't know what the trade offer is, but you can kind of assume what it let's, would be. Let's assume it's a early two Yeah. An early second round pick. Let's just call it that. Let's call it thirty seven. Still, AJ even though he's getting older, he's a proven commodity where you're anytime it's a draft pick, you roll the dice a little bit. I would make him play on the tag. I'm going to run with make him play on the tag. I will pass on tagging him and trading him, and I'll boot the long-term deal. You, you just can't. He, he's he's getting up there in age. You haven't seen him play really in almost two seasons, half of 18 and all of last year. I just, I guess if you could sign him to a long-term deal that's that's very reasonable below market value, then maybe that that would change my answer. But AJ's not going to do that. It takes two to sign that contract. So that's what I would do. I would make him play on the tag, even though he's not going to be happy about it. He's re- he really doesn't have a choice. If he wants to go somewhere else in 2021, he's got to get out there and play football and prove he can still do it. And so, and then I'd pass on. Um, Pass on trading him and boot the long term deal. I just I can't see that happening. Or I, I wouldn't yeah. do that. It's not we're doing saying what I would do, and I would not do that. I would not give yeah. him a long term deal. I, I think that you can make a lot of arguments that the best thing for them to do is to tag him and get like and get the get the one year, get his age thirty. If you think what's AJ Green got left, where's his leverage? Obviously, the reason he hates the tag so much is it steals the only leverage he has, and that's his age 32 season. Mm-hmm. You know, you say he's got one, maybe two years in the tank. So you can get that one year on a one-year $18 million deal and then call it a day, and then he walks probably after that. I mean, you're, the idea that the long game is that he plays his age 32 season and then they go in on the long-term deal with him, I don't know if that's what happens. Um, to me though, I, I would trade him. I, I I would I would tag and trade if I'm getting number thirty seven in this draft, and I would take that pick, and I would take one of these receivers that are just there's a massive pile of them that are really good in this draft, and I would take them and I would put them in the lineup, and now I have this. Now I now have $14 million that I thought I was going to be given to this guy that when you take away the second round pick contract, you know, it's about 18 minus whatever it is. And then that money now you have freed up to use elsewhere. You can go sign another, maybe a lesser guy, more of a wide receiver too if you want to, or what, all these other positions, anything you need to do, or extend some other guys. Maybe it gives you money for somebody else. And you know what? It's time to roll the dice because you're rolling the dice on A.J. Green. Like, let's not pretend because we heard Duke Tobin talk about uh, A.J. Green is a proven commodity. What is a proven commodity about a 32-year-old receiver who's been hurt the last two years? Mm-hmm. If that's not a risk, I don't know what is. And I, A.J. healthy, you know, it's easy. it's one thing to say I can't predict injuries. Well, in this case, you can't. You can't at least see that he's a he should have a red flag on injury when you've now had however many years, the last two in a row, and you haven't seen him play. Like, you know, to me, that's what. Yeah, the long term deal doesn't make sense. But to me, that's why the trade makes sense. If assuming there's still a trade to be made, and why the trade also would have made sense. Last year at the trade deadline, when when teams were even more aggressive uh, going for him, and so and then I would say I would let him play on the tag. I don't like playing on the tag, and that's the reason why I didn't put that as my run, just because 
it just spills over so much of the garbage from last year, and it just I just can't all that stuff that went down, and then now and then Joe Burrow is going to show up and. And his best receivers holding out, and his running backs probably holding out, and it's just that's not good. Like sweep it clean, you know. Give Joe Burrow another young receiver to throw to, put him in the mix with Tyler Boyd. Maybe get a vet in that room that can help get you maybe through, and and just go from there. Um, there's way other ways to fix this other than counting on AJ Green uh to give you a full a full year not without having all that mess you can just sort of start feel like you're starting fresh and getting younger um so that and I would I would I would boot the long term deal I mean I I can make an argument for it having him be Larry Fitzgerald here um but man the injury stuff is just you just have you have to worry about that you have to worry about it the other option that I mean, even though they went the opposite way last year, would be they, they put him on a tag and they trade him at this year's trade deadline. Maybe you see what, what he is, and maybe he is, maybe he's playing well, but the team is still struggling and not winning, and then and then maybe you get even more value for him for a team that's desperate for a wide receiver like that down the stretch. Yeah, because at that point, you know, I think part of why – they didn't want to trade him last year was because they wanted him for this coming year. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they saw a future with him, and it involved him playing here in his age thirty-two season, and yeah. then probably going off. But next year, if you're at the trade deadline in the same situation or something similar, boy, if they're zero and eight again, <laughs> there's a lot of bigger problems than that. Yeah. But if they're in that, you know, portion where they're willing to give up on the season, it's just hard. You know, it's hard to be in a situation where you're really giving up on the season. It's got to be like two and like. six or worse. Yeah, basically. I mean, even then. Um, so then they're maybe they're thinking, well, we're going to let him walk anyway. Maybe they would be more willing. But, I, you know, everything that we know and then heard from Duke Tobin about trading at the deadline, mm-hmm. hard, that's a hard hard sell as well uh, to think that that would be where, where they would go. Um, what else? I got my paper here. I'm going trying to see if I – if we hit on everything I planned on hitting on, I think we did. We need to get back home. We do. You're going to be there before I will. I will I'm be. staying for the game, so I will uh, have, have some. We've got something planned for for Saturday for the game. Um, it's the, the today is Thursday as we record this. These are the last on field practices today. Tomorrow it's just walkthroughs and then the, the swap, um, and then. You know, you're taking off. You're heading back home. Yep. Um, I'll be back home Sunday, and then we'll have another podcast for you next week. Kind of maybe see what happened in the game. Some of the guys that stood out that that could be fits. That what we talked about earlier to be drafted guys or to be undrafted guys for the Bengals here. But uh, we did we did get to quite a bit today. Yeah. For for an off season podcast. Yeah. Also uh, coming on Monday, um, I will have my. Annual look at 10 things the Bengals should do this offseason. If they want to, hold on for a second, just buy into my premise. Be the San Francisco 49ers of Senior Bowl to Super Bowl. The 10 things they should do, but not just that, but the feeling that I get through conversations and reporting of the likelihood that they will listen to my advice on each one of those 10 things. Uh, so that will be coming on Monday for subscribers. Thank you to everybody that subscribes. Uh, if you don't, I know we will have discount deals going on for Super Bowl week. So look for those. You can always subscribe at theathletic.com. We love to have you. Uh, we have over 400 reporters. I mean, we've got, you know, almost a million subscribers. We are, man. We, it's, it's, it's quite a show we got going here. We think it makes it more than worth your while. So thanks everybody that subscribes. We love having you on board. Uh, outside of that, we'll be back next week and we won't be in a mobile, which is like both of those things are great. So. Maybe we'll do it from Hamilton. Yeah. And maybe, you know what? Maybe, maybe we'll have a review of the DVDs that we watched this weekend that here at the Candlewood Suites. Shout out Candlewood Suites. Hope that you last for another couple more years. Will the candle, that run past her boot, (laughs) what year will the Candlewood Suites that we are currently in not be open when we come to the Senior Bowl? You know know what is damning for the Candlewood Suites is uh, I've 
taken between my trip from the airport to here and trip from practices to here, I've had three Uber rides and two of them said, this is the first time I've ever been to this hotel. <laughs> that is not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. Not a good sign. Uh, yeah, we, you know, could be going the way of Blockbuster, uh, just like the DVDs that they have behind, uh, the, the front desk. But anyway, thanks everybody for listening to hear that podcast ground and, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.